Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party, and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or, I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Welcome back. The Nightcap, Joe DiBiase, hour number two here on WGR. We are within 24 hours until the NFL draft. All right. The Bills will draft ninth, barring any trades. Trades up, trades down. I wonder what's more likely at this point. My guess would be trading up is more likely. Now, trading down sounds like a better idea to me, but... I don't know. I could totally foresee Bills, the Bills falling in love with one of these guys, Ed Oliver in particular, and thinking, hey, let's go get him. We got 10 picks. We've got the rest of the roster figured out. Let's go get him. So we'll see. We'll see where they end up drafting. Ninth, definitely the favorite at this point. But uh, I think trading up might be a little more likely than trading down at this point. 803-0550 is the phone number if you want to get in on the Bills draft. What's your favorite idea? For tomorrow, linebackers come up a little bit today. Cornerback is coming up a little bit today. Um, if you still want to get in on the Sabres coach search, we'll take those calls as well at 803-0550. Roll through some reaction on the text line quickly before we do get all in on the draft at 550-550. Um, really a lot, I would say, of negative towards the Jacques Martin hire. And a one one interesting text I want to, I want to get to here, because... I do feel like this will happen if the Bill, if the Sabres do end up with Gronberg as their head coach, the Swedish guy. But one text here. If you get Gronberg, you might have a better chance at Eric Carlson. I thought about that for a second. And my immediate reaction was, okay, come on. Like, just because he's Swedish doesn't mean they're going to get all the good Swedish players. But then a part of me goes, eh, maybe. If he likes them enough. You never know. I don't really know if I like Eric Carlson as an idea anyway at the money he's going to command, but just a thought. Um, back to the Bills draft. So I'm still on Hawkinson as my favorite idea. I'm starting to warm up to Oliver a little bit. I wasn't even sold on him as an idea at 9, but it seems like, I don't know, that ceiling is a lot higher than I might have anticipated because a lot of scouts, a lot of draft guys, a lot of draft analysts really think that he could be some sort of superstar in the NFL at defensive tackle, and the Jets are maybe thinking about that now at 3 And now I got this whole Redskins dynamic thrown into the mix because they're talking about maybe trading up into the top five. And, I don't know, you need as many teams, I think, if you're the Bills, to need a quarterback as possible, to want a quarterback as possible. It would be a the the best scenario for the Bills is three quarterbacks go before them. I don't know how realistic that is, but 
The Giants are ahead of you. And you really need maybe one of those wild card teams to do it. I don't really think Detroit's done it. There's a, sl- a small bit of speculation on them today in quarterback. The Raiders, the Buccaneers. You need one of those teams that I guess you wouldn't totally expect to do it. Plus Arizona, obviously, with Kyler Murray. You need them. The, you need the Cardinals. You need the Giants. You need either one of those wild card teams to do it. Or you need a team like the Redskins to just fly in there and take a quarterback. Or that could be Miami. That could be Cincinnati, I guess. But today, the story is the Redskins. And that they want to get into the top five. And the the owner, Dan Snyder, has taken over the reins for the first round. And the last time that happened, RG3 was the pick. And they traded up, way up, to get to the number two pick to get him. So, I don't know. At this point, I'd have to think that the Redskins are thinking quarterback. That could ultimately be Josh Rosen, I think, for their future QB. But... I think the best case scenario for the Bills is they fly into the top five, take a quarterback, make the Giants pick someone else that's that's a quarterback. You get three guys in front of you, and then maybe you get a shot at a Ned Oliver. That's the best scenario for me because I still don't like the trade-up idea. I don't mind it as much as I have in the past because of the amount of picks, because of where the roster is. But... And trading up. I'm, I'm starting to warm up to Ed Oliver today. If you missed his quote today, he was in Nashville for the draft, and he talked about the Bills. If you missed that, here's Ed Oliver on the Bills earlier today. Great place to be. I went out there. Uh, I can say their facilities are amazing. Just put that out there. They, the facilities are top-notch. You know, they scheme great, fish me. They need a three technique. So if, if it's me that they call on, hey, I'm coming. They obviously missing a guy there. A uh, guy just retired. He was a great a great hour like to actually watch his film and see how he stayed around so long. But uh, I think I can come in right away and, and step up to the plate and play. They have a unique situation where a guy retired and they actually need somebody to come in and play right away. So that'll be a blessing. I'm sure Bills fans love hearing that. I'm not quite sure, though, he knows who what Kyle Williams' name is because he doesn't say it there. And he says he a couple times. So I wonder about that. But um, I'm sure Bills fans love hearing that on uh, on the Bills facilities and Ed Oliver's take on coming to Buffalo should that happen. Uh, quick NHL playoff scoring update for you, and then we'll throw in the Amherst to this as well. Uh, the Caps are up 2 to nothing on Carolina in Game 7. The winner will go on to play the New York Islanders. Alex Ovechkin, man, had a filthy, filthy setup to Tom Wilson to make it 2 nothing. Puts the puck behind his back off the boards in the neutral zone to just... Go right by one of the Carolina defensemen. Then he comes in on a two-on-one, toe-drags Dougie Hamilton, and sets up Tom Wilson for an easy goal. I think, I mean, he's a goal scorer. I thought it was the best assist I've seen of his career. Uh, so it's 2 nothing caps, five minutes to go in the first period, and the Amherst are down one nothing. Uh, five minutes into the second. They have to win or they will be eliminated. Uh, NHL playoff scoring update brought to you by Fiegel and Carr, your border attorneys. What do you think about the Bills draft? 803-0550 is the phone number. Let's go to Louie in Ontario. Louie, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate that. Sure, no problem. Um, I'm like you. Uh, I've been a big Bills fan since Joe Ferguson, <clears throat> and and I, you know, I've, we've seen the glory days of Jim Kelly and the, and the offense. In today's age of the NFL, you got to score points, man. You got to put points up. You got to be productive. Like the Bills had the number two defense, uh, I think last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not sure. Uh, total defense, yes. I think number two. Yeah. So you know what? The Bills have ranked pretty good. Uh, on the the defensive front for a few years. Like, I mean, they've been pretty consistent with their defense. I mean, but offensively speaking, 
No, we haven't had a great quarterback. Now we got Josh Allen. We got to surround him with weapons. But when was the last time, man? Be honest. When was the last time we ever, ever had a great potential, great tight end? You see what Gronkowski could do to us with New England. I'm not comparing. I'm not saying he's Gronkowski or anything like that. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying this kid could be special. Hawkinson? Are we talking about Hawkinson here? Sorry. Are we talking about Hawkinson here? Yes, Hawkinson. Exactly. Yes. I agree with that too. I don't think like he doesn't have to be Gronk. You're right. Gronk's the best tight end ever. But no, Philadelphia I- won a Super Bowl and had a dynamic offense with Zach Ertz. Uh, Kansas City had the best offense in the league last year with Travis Kelsey. So like, you're, yeah, your point's right. Like a lot of the great offenses in the league do have like elite tight ends. I mean, you know what? We've got those two young receivers now, like Brown and then um, the kid we we didn't draft last year. I can't remember. He's undrafted. Uh, Jason Kroom. Uh, no, Foster. Fo- I'm double real- oh, receiver. Yeah, Robert Foster. Yeah, so I think we've we got two good receivers. And, you know, I, I watch CFL. The kid from Memphis is not too bad. Led the league. You know, he could be something. You know, we don't know right down the road. But what I'm trying to get to is that T.J. Hawkinson could be the best friend for a young quarterback. I mean, the guy's a ferocious blocker, run blocker, pass blocker. And, and you know what? He can, he can go out and catch passes. He, 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 you know what? He could do everything. Like, well, and he runs a four seven forty. Like let, let's, you know, enough of defense. I I want to get this kid to drop this deep in the defensive tackle defensive end. You want to get one, get one in the second round. But T.J. Hawkinson, if he's there, I don't think he will be personally. I think he's going to be going off the board, probably seven, maybe eight. I don't know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think that the uh, Oliver's going to be on the board. But I'm just saying, if T.J. Hawkinson is there and Oliver's off the board. You gotta go, T.J. Hawkinson. He's highly ranked. He's the best tight end coming out. He's a three-down player. Like, look, you know, you really want to win. We're competing with New England. We're, you know what? We're competing with teams to score a lot of points in this league. You have to catch up. Yeah. No, I agree, man. I, dude, thanks for the call. Like, totally right. And you're right. It's catching up. You want to be in front on this stuff. Not always catching up. And I got Sean McDermott sometimes on this station. We got Sean McDermott talking about like 17 points and 21 points. Like that, give me, give me 31. Give me 35. I got Kansas City out here scoring 50 points in games. Like that's where I want to be ultimately, isn't it? Especially with the upside that Josh Allen has, you want him to be Patrick Mahomes. Maybe that's not realistic because he threw 50 freaking touchdowns last year, but like that's what you want. Shouldn't that be the goal? Even if you don't reach the ultimate goal, which is have the best offense in the league, don't you want to build towards that? I think you should in today's game. I don't know if they want to because of their defensive-minded head coach and because of a lot of the moves they've made. I mean, they built the defense first. They did. And Brandon Bean has spoken about why he did that. And he talked about the weather, and he talked about you know the playoffs late in games, and he mentioned how the Super Bowl was 13-3, to and even though those teams got there in large part because of offense, like can't I just worry about the defensive part later? Now, it's too late. They built up the defense. It's great. Good. But I think last year proved to you one thing. A top-notch defense is only going to get you so far. The Bills had the second-best defense in the league, and they won six games. Did the Rams have one of the best defenses in the league? They were okay. They were pretty good. They weren't an elite defense. Did the Chiefs have one of the elite defenses in the league? No. New England? Like, all these teams, I would say, had good defenses. They had talent on defense. 
but these weren't the elites of the elites on the defensive side of the football. And those teams were dynamite all year. So even though they built the defense first, and I think that's the opposite way they should have done things, they have reached the point where the defense is good and now they're building up the offense. And as long as they get the offense right, it'll all pay off. All of it. The the McDermott hire, the Brandon Bean hire, all the trades they've made, the trading up for Josh Allen, the free agent money that they spent this year. It's all going to come down to how good the offense is. Because last year proved, your defense can be top of the league, but if your offense ain't that good, you're not going anywhere. Especially when you're playing teams like New England twice a year. Like, we have to know that. And that's why I'm happy Allen's here. Because he gives you some sort of hope that the offense can, can be not just good, but elite. Like, top five. This is safe. The Bills have never been anywhere near that. 2011, like, they had a great start to that year with Ryan Fitzpatrick. The offense was top-notch, but it wasn't sustainable. And other than that, they've never even really had the potential to have a top-notch offense. And now at least there is that. So now you've, you've still got to make it to that point, but now there's at least potential, like I said, to do that. And TJ Hawkinson, like you said, that would just further that idea down the road. He would be the most talented player on the offense. It's not the quarterback. He'd be the most highly rated prospect of any guy on that offense when they came into the draft. First round, top 10 pick at his position. Who else on that offense is that other than Josh Allen? McCoy was a second round pick. Elite running back in his time. Hall of Fame. But he's at the end. Jason Kroom. Just a guy you found. Tyler Croft. He was another team's third string tight end. Deion Dawkins, a second round pick. The rest of the offensive line. Offensive, you know, or not offensive, um, like free agents that you just found. Maybe Mitch Morse would be the next the next most talented guy. So throw Hawkinson into that mix. That's what I do. Uh let's go and the offense in general. I just want to see them go offense heavy, I guess is my overall point. Let's go to Andrew. Andrew, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hi man. Um how you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Sure, no problem. So, yeah, I'm on the same page as you as far as the Hawkinson deal. I don't believe nine. I'm still iffy on the nine being too high or just right for a Hawkinson, but he just looks like a gener- He doesn't look like a generational talent, obviously, like Gronk. But any way to build around Josh Allen, I know everyone says that build around Josh Allen, build around Josh Allen, but I have never seen a prospect like Josh Allen. I'm only uh, almost around 20 years old. I haven't seen a good quarterback for Buffalo. What's the best I've seen? I've seen Kyle Orton go 9-7. and seven. That's the best I've ever seen. So to see Josh Allen, a raw prospect that I've never seen anything like in college, just to build around him. I love Ed Oliver. I love Quinn and Williams. I love one of these pass rushers and Montez Sweat or anything. That would be great for rushing. And I know we sucked in, in pass rush. I know we were in the teens or in the 20s for it. And I know we could build through that. Trent Murphy wasn't healthy last year. Shaq was a little bit dinged up. If we can just get any kind of production out of them, again, I think Shaq's coming into his own. It's going to be a prove-it year for him. But just for Hawkinson, if he can provide anything around this quarterback that I haven't seen in the past 20 to 30 years, anyone like him with the arm strength and running ability or any kind of special talent like him, we could develop him with Hawkinson and just develop some kind of connection with him just to get this offense going into the top five or ten. It's, he has that potential. 
but just to build around him, I can't go through another quarterback again. Yeah, I agree, man. And I, the one the one point you made about the defensive line, like I'm not really as sold as you are that they're going to get much out of the pass rushers this year past Jerry Hughes. Um, I think Murphy can't stay healthy, and he's really only had one productive season in his career. And Shaq lost, and like we've been waiting on him a long time, and we're still not seeing what got him drafted in the first round. Like I think he's a fine player. He's a very good run. He's very good in run defense, but you're not seeing that NFL level of pass rushing. And I do. I'm very interested in the Bills investing in that position because that's one of the most important positions on the entire football team, let alone the defense, is getting to the quarterback. And I don't really think they possess a great ability to do that right now. The problem with me is I don't see the outside edge guy that's worth that nine pick right now. It would have been Montez Sweat or Rashawn Gary, but they've both got health concerns. And I already did that with Shaq Lawson a couple years ago, so do I want to do that again? I don't think so. So to me... When there isn't that guy available, and I'm starting to talk about interior defensive linemen, no matter how good they are, that's when I start really thinking all, all in on the offense at that pick. Let's go to Ryan and Lakefield. Ryan, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, Joe. How you doing? Good. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, I wanted to agree with you. Um, that's good. My major, my major point, no, I don't want to argue. I want to agree with you. But <laughs> the ahead. thing is, um, I've seen Jim Kelly and all those. And and everything you brought up about Hawkinson, that's what Josh Allen needs. Why don't we put up 42 points in the first half like New England's been doing? I think Josh Allen needs... Uh, like a good tight end. I'm not comparing him to Gronk by no means, but he's good. I I would rather invest in that than why do we keep going out and drafting defensive linemen? Yeah, yeah, right. I, I'm on board with you, man. I like that's that's where I'm at. It's kind of been what I've been saying here. Like, just put the pieces around Allen. That's all you got to do at this point. And, yeah, do I need to put much more investment into that defensive line? You make a good point there. Like, I've done that. I spent free agent dollars on Star Latule. I spent a third-round pick on Harrison Phillips. I spent a first-round pick on Shaq Lawson. I know they didn't. I didn't bean in uh, McDermott didn't, but the Bills did. Um, I spent free. They spent free agent dollars on Trent Murphy. Way back when they spent money on Jerry Hughes. Like, there's a lot invested in that defensive line. I'm not necessarily getting the production, probably, that's worth the investment, but got to do something there. Jadavion Clowney's interesting. I wonder what's happening. Nothing's happening there in Houston. And the Bills have had a pass rusher from the Texans that was a first overall pick once upon a time in Mario Williams. So, I wonder if they could pull that off again. We'll see. I don't think. Someone called yesterday about thinking they're going to trade Clowney, and I haven't seen anything that says that. And given what Frank Clark got traded for yesterday, maybe I wouldn't want the Bills to touch that. Frank Clark, who's okay, not okay, he's good, he's very good. He's ninth in sacks in the last three years. 32 sacks in the last three years. He got traded for a first-round pick plus stuff. I mean, if he costs you that, I don't know what Clowney would cost you. Something enormous, and I don't think I would want the Bills to pay that. 
Anyways, we'll take a time out here. Interview of the day coming up next. Brian Baldinger on One Bills Live, NFL Network draft analyst. Some good stuff on some of the prospects for tomorrow in the first round. Bills at 9. We'll have coverage starting at 7 here on WGR. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR talking some NFL draft for another half hour here. We're going to get to Brian Baldinger in just a minute. NFL Network on One Bills Live. Let's go back out to the phone lines, though, before we do that. 803 is the phone number. Buzz in Buffalo. Buzz, what's up, man? You're on the Nightcap. Joe, how you doing tonight? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Watching the hockey. Um, it's been good so far. Yeah, I, actually, that's it's going the way I want it to go, that's for sure. But uh, I, I wanted to chime in real quick before the draft. Um, I'm just dying for a tight end here. Been dying for a tight end for the whole time that we've had a franchise in Buffalo, especially in today's NFL. So let's look at one of the things that hasn't been talked about, really. If you take a tight end instead of a wide receiver as a weapon for Allen, what you're kind of doing is what New England does. New England's got a bunch of B wide receivers. You know, no one's, they don't have a number one. You know, they got a bunch of B wide receivers. And so, and then they have a devastating tight end. Mm-hmm. Tired. So what you have here is you want to do the same thing here. It kind of neutralizes if the other team has a lockdown corner that they're paying a ton of money to, you know, Stephon Gilmore or something. Big deal. He's on, he's on Zay Jones or whoever. It kind of neutralizes the lockdown corner. Whereas if you hmm. have a tight end that's devastating, I mean, we saw Trey White try and cover Gronk. Right, like that, that. We actually came down to that. Buffalo decided they had to do that at some point. A total mismatch, you know. So let's get a tight end, man. It stays at NFL. All of the good offenses have big time tight ends. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good point, man. I like the comparison there too to the Patriots. Thanks for the call, Buzz. Um, that it, you're right. It's B wide receivers. Really, you look back at Brady's career, other than Randy Moss. Yeah, it's B wide receivers, and I think we do have that. Um, but I don't know how many teams really do do that. New England does it, but like I'm looking at Kansas City right now, like they've got that tight end, but they've also got the Tyreek Hill. So I don't think just because I have, you know, a great tight end, that means I have to almost ignore a wide receiver. But it's a good starting point. Like Hawkinson with the receivers you have would be a, a really good starting point to trying to build an offense. I think around Josh Allen. All right, let's go out to Brian Baldinger. One Bills live. And that's our interview of the day. Good stuff on the draft. Uh, Hawkinson included, who is pretty popular right now among Bills fans. Here is Brian Baldinger. I'm with Steve Tasker and John Murphy. Joining us on the line, a good friend of the show, NFL Network analyst. Uh, he played 11 seasons in the NFL, including a cup of coffee here with the Buffalo Bills. He does Baldy's breakdowns on NFL.com. Great video breakdowns of some of these draft prospects. Happy to have Brian Baldinger on the show with us. Brian, John Murphy, and Steve Tasker here in Buffalo. Are you still in L.A.? I know you're doing a lot of work on the network out there this week, right? Uh, I've been out there for the last six weeks. Murph, wow. uh, I'm heading back out tomorrow. So we'll be doing a lot of shows from out there, uh, kind of getting the day started on Thursday and Friday and Saturday, and then kind of thrown it to Nashville with everybody that's there. Yeah, just like everybody else, you're neck deep in the draft, right? And you're headed to Nashville. Like, how long are you going to be in Nashville? For all three days of the draft, or are you going to be there a day on either end? No, I'm actually just going to be in L.A., Steve. So um, uh, we've, we've got all our other, you know, Dan, Daniel Jeremiah and everybody else, uh, Rich Ives and all those guys will be in Nashville. So they got somebody's got a Man, the mothership there in uh, Los Angeles. So You're the guy. Duties here. Yeah. Hey, Brian, what do you think of the trade? Seattle uh, sends away Frank Clark to Kansas City and gets their first rounder and a second rounder. What do you make of that trade? 
Well, I think it's a good trade. I mean, they were going to have to make a decision on Frank. You know, I mean, they just paid Russell Wilson um, $35 million a year. It's going to make it difficult, you know, to uh, to sign other guys. This is a draft deep in defensive linemen. I'm, I'm sure that Seattle looks like they can restock with, uh, you know, a bunch of new picks and high picks. And, you know, Kansas City is going to get an elite player to replace Justin Houston and D. Ford, who left in free agency. So I think it's a trade that actually benefits both teams right now. And we were talking during the break, Steve and I, about, and I guess it's obvious, but, boy, the Chiefs are clearly in win-now mode, aren't they? They probably see that window just good for another year or two at this point. What do you think? What do you make of it? Well, I mean, they got the league MVP. Right. And, you know, and so Patrick Mahomes still has three years left on his rookie deal. I think, you know, you try and do everything you can to – you know, to win as many games, give yourself the best chance possible to make a run, you know, when you got a guy on a rookie deal that's that level of a player. So, um, you know, you gotta, they're going to end up having to pay him, you know, in the next year or year after that. So they might as well try and, you know, be as competitive as they come. They, they, they brought in Steve Spagnola to take over the defense. He's a four-man front defensive uh, coordinator. And you get a guy like Frank Clark, I mean, it's a heck of a piece you know, to uh, to plug into that defense right now. And it leads with the Seattle Seahawks with the 21st pick in the draft, which they had to begin with, and they pick up Kansas City's 29th pick of the draft. So they've got two first-round picks this year in return, plus a next year they get an extra second-round draft pick, and then they swap thirds in next year's draft as well. So it's – or maybe in this dra- year's draft, that's a little unclear to me right at this point. But uh, Seattle gets a chance really to get a guy off their books and create – that you know leaves them with less drama – on their roster, but trying to sign a really elite player, but it gives them a chance to add to their roster in a draft. And let's talk about, and let's jump right into that. Baldy, this draft is pretty deep in defensive linemen, particularly at the end of the first round. Well, it's the deepest I can remember. I mean, we're going to see eight, probably eight of the first 10 players on Thursday night's draft are going to be defensive players. And um, it's about as deep and strong a draft. Uh, on defensive linemen, whether it's tackles, ends, outside pass rushers, I mean, there's a lot to like about this group. And so whether you're picking at 21 or 29, if that's what you're looking to add to your roster, you're going to have good options. Um, a lot of them are going to go right at the very top, Nick Bosa and Quentin Williams. They're going to go real early in this draft, and they should. They're very, very good players, and I think they're going to be good pros. But, uh, you know, they got two great linebackers in this draft, and Devin White and Devin Bush, and... I mean, there were some good middle linebackers drafted last year. You got one as well, but I haven't seen any of them that could run 4-4 yet. Mm-hmm. And that's what these guys can run. So, I mean, it's, you're going to get – I mean, Seattle, if they want to, you know, restock that position and they've lost a lot of guys into retirement and now free agency over the last two years, I mean, they're going to get a great opportunity to get some good young players. Hey, I want to know about some of these defensive line prospects that you've looked at on video, uh, Brian, including uh, uh, the guy that many people had as a projected first-rounder, then came up with a knee injury, Jeffrey Simmons from Mississippi State. Where does that knee injury put him? Still a first-rounder, maybe back into the first round? What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right, Murph. I mean, I think he's going to be a first-rounder. I mean, I think he's a top-five player in this draft if he's healthy. I mean, he's just a physically dominant player. I'm good friends with his defense line coach at Mississippi State, coached in the NFL a long time, Brian Baker. He's now, at Al- he's now with Nick at Alabama. But just talking to him, what kind of player he was to coach, just country strong. I mean, physically, just manhandles people at the line of scrimmage. But he also stayed in college this year because he wanted to work on his quick escapes where he didn't have to muscle guys every, every down, and he did that this year. I thought he was – I mean, I'm, 
like I said, I think he's a top five player in this draft. He, you're probably going to have to redshirt him through October. You probably get him the second half of the season next year, and uh, I think you'll get a guy that can come in and uh, you know play well right away. But he is he is something to watch. Any Mississippi State game, I don't care if it's Kansas State or LSU or Alabama, you watch him play against really good offensive linemen. And um, he's the better of them uh, on almost every play, every game. So it sounds like to me that if – and we've seen this in past drafts, and I've been asking uh, all our guests this, it's become vogue for teams to move around around the top of the draft to try to move up or move down. We saw a bunch of it last year. Of course, it was a quarterback-driven draft. You don't think any movement's going to happen at the top of this draft because of defensive players, because there's so many good ones that are going to be available. If there's going to be a movement at the top of this draft, it's going to be about quarterbacks or some other kind of player, correct? I, I think so, Steve. I mean, typically, you know, movement, you trade up to target a player. And so, especially in the top ten, I mean, you know, you look at, you know, the trade that Kansas City made two years ago for Patrick Mahomes or what Houston did for Deshaun Watson, you know, or, or even what Chicago and San Francisco did two years ago for Mitch Trubisky. I mean, those trades were all for quarterbacks. And so it, that may still happen in this draft. But I just think that because there's so much depth at defensive line that I don't think you have to – you know, go target one of these guys. I mean, I think you can wait if you're the Raiders. You want to wait at four and, you know, pick up a defensive lineman. I think they'll, you know, they're going to have their, their, their pick of a lot of good players there if they just stay right there, if that's what they decide to do. Uh, the Jets, 49ers, they're all looking for defensive linemen. Everybody is. I mean, I think you just stay on Pat. I think you could get a good player. Now, if a good player, I don't know, let's say Ed Oliver or Rashawn Gary, you know, something happens and they start to drop, then I could see – uh, you know, somebody from the back of the draft possibly trading up to go get, you know, maybe perhaps one of those two players. Or if one of those linebackers, White or Bush, drops, I can see a team, you know, trading up to go get themselves the Mike linebacker of the future. With NFL Network analyst Brian Baldinger, who's doing work all this week as the NFL Network covers the draft, here's a defensive lineman that we have not talked about on this show, but I know you've made note of him. He's considered an under-the-radar prospect, a Jersey guy from Temple University, Michael Dogby. Um, what do you know about him, and what are his prospects? What do you think, Brian? Well, he's been well coached by both Matt Rule, who's now at Baylor, and Jeff Collins, who's now at uh, Georgia Tech. Um, he wore a single-digit number, number nine this year, and they gave out single digits to the you know nine best players on the team. And uh, Dogby got one of those this year. He's proud of it. He's very strong. He bench-pressed 34 times, 225. Uh, I think he could play outside, you know, in a 4-3 defense. I think he could play inside a defensive tackle. Uh, he had a lot of good visits with the Eagles and other teams around this league. Uh, he's a very determined player um, and a player that's got good flexibility. I mean, I think you can get Mike Dogby probably in the, the third or fourth round, but I think you're going to get a really good player that's hungry that you're never going to have to worry about that's just going to work as long as the day is long. I mean, I think you're going to get a good prospect that's just going to improve at the NFL level. Well, Baldy, you played in the league as an offensive lineman for a long time. Let's talk about the guys at the top of this draft. Uh, most of the time when you're talking about college guys coming out and playing NFL, most of them play left tackle and they're going to move from there. Uh, but what do you see at the top of this draft in offensive linemen? I see a lot of good players, Steve. I don't know that I see a dominant player. Um, I think a guy like Jawan Taylor at Florida, who's been a right tackle, has played a little left tackle there. He looks like he's, to me, he's the best of all of them. I mean, I think you could plug and play him at right tackle, and you're going to get a possible Pro Bowl player. Uh, Greg Little at Mississippi, 
um, you know, was the left tackle for, uh, you know, at Allen, Texas, uh, you know, when they were undefeated for four straight years in a row, he's the number one player in the country. He's been the left tackle at Ole Miss. I like him. I think he's a really polished player. I think he's an NFL prototypical left tackle. I don't know the, that – I think he could be a dominant player. I think he needs to work a little harder at it and work on his technique more to become that guy. Uh, Andre Dillard at Washington State, Steve, is a really good player. He played in that air raid offense there, uh, you know, for for Mike Leach. So the ball comes out fast. You don't do a lot of run blocking. But he's got really good technique. He's got really good size and long arms, all that stuff you're looking for. Uh, the guy that everybody's kind of talking about, Jonah Williams at Alabama, he started every game there. I think he's a good player. I don't think he's a great player. I think, he, you know, he, his best position might be inside at, uh, at guard. That's not unusual. We saw Zach Martin be a, uh, you know, a great left tackle. Notre Dame has been an all-pro guard with the uh, Dallas Cowboys. I think Cody Ford at Oklahoma looks to me like he could be a really powerful all-pro guard. He's played guard, but he was the right tackle last year for Oklahoma. Had a good season. Uh, but he just looks like a massive right guard that you know could play that position for a long time. And talk a little bit further down the line. You've got guys, and I don't know if you can name these guys off the top of your head, but you've got guys like Chris Lindstrom from Boston College, Dalton Risner from K-State. When you get a little deeper into the first round, maybe into the mid-second round, are there still some guys who are going to put together good pro careers? Yeah. I mean, Dalton Risner, you just mentioned him, Steve. I mean, he started every game at Kansas State, played his first year at center, started every game there. Been uh, you know two-time captain and the starter, starting right tackle for the last three years. I think he's. I do Big 12 games every Saturday for the last eight years. I, he's the best right tackle I've seen in the Big 12 in eight years. Great guy. I mean, you know, just a solid professional. Professional work habits. I mean, I think he's going to be a really good pro. He can play guard or tackle. I think. I don't see anybody beating him. Uh, there's some. There's some really good players though. Um, you know, a little bit further down. If you go. To Northern Iowa or Northern Illinois, you go see Mark, Max Sharping. Uh, go watch him against Florida State and Brian Burns this year. He shut him out. Um, Yadi Kajust at, 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 at West Virginia is a really good, uh, great athlete out of Miami. Been the left tackle there at West Virginia for three years. I think he's a good player. Titus Howard at Alabama State has been the right tackle there. I don't know who coaches at Alabama State, but he's well coached. I think you get you know good, solid players in this draft in the – on the offensive line in the third and fourth rounds that are going to have long NFL careers. Brian Baldinger, our guest from the NFL Network, getting ready to ramp it up with the NFL Network this weekend. Uh, They'll be in Nashville and, of course, at their headquarters in Los Angeles. I want to ask you about wide receiver prospects, Brian. And uh, Is it fair to say that there are, what, just a handful, maybe a couple of legitimate first-round wide receiver prospects uh, coming off the board Thursday night? What do you think? Yeah, probably, you know, maybe two. You know, probably – uh, right now, Hollywood, Hollywood probably, Hollywood Brown probably is one of those DK Metcalf. But I think there's a lot of good players in this draft. You know, I mean, Paris Campbell at Ohio State was a slot receiver there. Nobody in the history of Ohio State has ever caught 90 passes in a season. He ran a 4-3, 140. Uh, you know, he is an electric player. Um, there's a lot of things you can do with him. He's probably a second-round pick. Nikhil Harry is my favorite wide receiver in this draft. He looks like a faster uh, – uh, I mean, he's just, a, he's just a big, strong kid, man. He looks like a strong side linebacker. But I was with him last Friday at the NFL Network. I like him a lot. He could play inside or outside. He could be your kick returner. Hakeem Butler at Iowa State he is the biggest receiver in this draft at 6'6", 
the wingspan of a condor ran really well at the combine. Game-changing type player, great red zone threat. Um, A.J. Brown at Ole Miss, if you watched him at the combine, might be the most smooth, fluid wide receiver this whole draft. I, mean, I just think there's probably 10 or 15 guys, whether they're you know second round, bottom of the first round, into the third round, that are going to be really good pros. I mean, they've had good college careers, a lot of production, and uh, they've got great size, you know, a tremendous size, and they run well enough at the NFL level. There he is, Brian Baldinger on One Bills Live. Some good stuff in the receivers at the air then and there. The uh, Campbell kid from Ohio State really has me intrigued in round two uh, for the Bills. A 4-3-40 and just being that dynamic a playmaker in space, like, Oh, give me as many of those guys as I can for the Bills. We'll come back and wrap things up on the nightcap. 803-0550 if you've got any last thoughts. Before the NFL draft tomorrow night, we'll give you a quick NHL playoff score update. And I got a quick word on uh, what happened in San Jose last night. An electric game against the Golden Knights. So nightcap, Jody Biasi here on WGR. Last call on the nightcap, Joe DiBiase here on WGR. What's up? Hit reporters coming up next for you race fans. Washington Capitals up two to zip on the Carolina Hurricanes. And that is... Calls for a goal horn. And one of the best goal horns in the league, I may add. Capitals up two to nothing. Alex Ovechkin, filthy assist on the second one. And Carolina, they're in danger of being eliminated here in their first playoff appearance in about a decade. NHL playoff scoring update is brought to you by Fiegel and Carr, your border attorneys. Amherst also in action right now. Last check, they were down one to nothing in Toronto. They had to win that game or be eliminated. A uh, quick word on what happened in San Jose. And uh, Vegas last night, I mean, it's tough what happened to Joe Pavelski. It definitely should have been a penalty. It's a cross-check to the throat. Not that hard, but it was a cross-check up high. And a f- like a pile driver, whatever you want to call it, by Paul Stastny after to take Pavelski to the ice where he hits his head. It definitely warranted a penalty. It definitely warranted a two-minute minor. Really, the refs did two things wrong. One, they didn't call a penalty in the first place because they swallow their whistles whenever a game gets tight. And, man, you make a five-minute call after the fact because of how it looked, it's just brutal. And it really highlights what is wrong with officiating in not just the NHL but in sports in general. And you know what? Some people don't want to replay, but it's the ref's fault. You've got terrible officiating, and... A lot of them are not full-time employees. I'm not sure about the NHL. I know that's the case in the NFL. And, I mean, you don't want young eyes on this thing. So what do you expect? Unless you're going to improve the officiating, which no sports league that I've seen has taken a real aggressive stance towards doing, you're getting more replay. It's just the way it's going to be. All right. And uh, real quickly, I don't necessarily love it. I hate the fact that there's replay. But I think you need it. Um... Because the worst feeling in the world is, I think, when you're a fan of a team and you get gypped. And, I don't know. That would have been one of those instances last night if I were a Vegas fan. All right, that's it for me. Pit Reporters up next. NFL Draft tomorrow night. Tune in for coverage here on WGR at 7 o'clock. 
We'll have day two coverage Friday night, day three coverage on Saturday morning. I'll be in with Nate Geary on Saturday. So uh, three days of draft coverage coming up in the next couple days. Bills on the clock at 9 tomorrow night. So that cap, Jody Biasi, thanks for listening here on WGR. Baseball is back, and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.